following content is explicit. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Red Rum Podcasters. I'm Kristen. And I'm Natasha. And we welcome you back for episode two. We have a great episode ready for you guys. A little bit of true crime, a little bit of spook spook. So it's going to be a good time. So, Kristen, how the hell are you? Been pretty good. Been pretty good, you know, chasing babies and all that fun stuff. The summer weather is in full force and it's so nice. Good. I don't uh, have any experience anymore chasing babies, but uh, I guess I'm okay. For the norm, I am tired as usual. (laughs) That pretty much sums up my life every day of my life. It's been a good old time. Just your general state of being. Yes, it's just like a perma exhaustion. I'm pretty excited. So I go first this time, and I have a very lengthy story. So uh, bear with me, and I will try to get through this without completely losing my mind. Today, I'm going to cover the Greenbrier Ghost. In a modest town in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, in 1897, citizens were about to experience an event that we, in 2023, could never fathom. On what seemed to be an ordinary day on January 23rd, a bride of three short months was found dead at the base of the stairs in a house that she shared with her husband. This poor woman was Elva Zona Hester Shue, some people just referred to her as Zona Hester Shue from Lewisburg, West Virginia. The discovery of her body, I am certain, scarred the mind of a poor 11-year-old boy named Andy Jones who was only hired to do chores around the house. Well, hold tight to your tushies because this case is the first and only of its kind. This badass woman may have met a violent and untimely end, but she wouldn't go down without a fight. This bad bitch would go on to help solve her own murder and prosecute the sorry asshat who did the deed. Upon stumbling across the deceased body, young Andy ran home to inform his mother before running his ass off to get the news to Elva's husband, Edward, at the blacksmith shop. Edward, appearing to be distraught, rushed home and cuddled up to his dead wife, never ceasing to cradle her head in his arms fending off all who attempted to get a closer look at the body. Once the coroner, Dr. George Knapp, arrived, he concluded that the woman had died from everlasting faint, air quotes, without inspecting the body since Edward would not let go of her noggin. What the fuck is everlasting faint? Oi, oi, oi. Like, what kind of misogynistic diagnosis is that? Like, women of the day, just, oh help me, and just die of everlasting faint. Like, that is some bullshit. To add to the suspicion, this man never left her side, going as far as to assist in the burial preparations. He insisted that he place her in the casket, once again, not letting anyone near her head or that end of the casket. He said that it was necessary to place a blanket on each side of her head and clothing on the other side so that she could, quote-unquote, rest easier suspicious i think so if i didn't know that he was at the blacksmith shop like that bitch did it (laughs) like well we don't know how long she was dead for before the boy found her we don't know anything 
I mean, she could have just fell down the stairs five minutes ago. It could have been four hours ago. He could have went to the blacksmith shop after. He might have been there the whole time. Quite frankly, we'll we'll get to it. But uh, I think he's guilty as shit. Because, I mean, like, my thought is, is, like, little boy coming over to do chores around someone's house. He probably checks in with the homeowner. So he probably saw her first would be my assumption. But. Unless he saw the husband first and then started chores and then went to check in with the miss of the house and found that disaster. That could very well be. Well, either way, the strangeness doesn't stop there. He secured a hefty scarf around her neck and through a tearful performance exclaimed that it was her favorite scarf and she just simply could not go on without it. She had to wear the scarf when she was buried. I'm sorry, but like micromanaging it that much and always being at her head makes me think that like he did something. Yeah, I mean, think about it. So he gets there and instead of like panicking or anything that he immediately swoops up her head. He's holding it in his arms. He's cradling her so no one can see anything in the neck, throat, head area. And he's putting on this performance. He won't let anywhere near her. He won't even let the coroner. The coroner doesn't even check out the body initially. He just takes his word for it. Like, I don't know what kind of pull this man's got. But ah, the olden days. I know, right? Women are just property. What do we know? Now we just know that it's 98% always the husband. Exactly. My shirt actually... Oh, no, this one's a different shirt. I thought I was wearing my, my husband did it shirt. Instead, I'm wearing that it's never a mannequin shirt. But even though Zona was moved to her mother's house for viewing, Edward never left the casket. The following day, the body was buried, and everyone still believed she died a natural, sudden death. Oopsie, got on the stairs, fainting. Yes, everlasting fainting. Like, total bullcrap. However, over the next month, Zona's mother began informing neighbors and townsfolk that she had seen the ghost of her daughter and that she had paid her a visit four nights in a row to explain that her death was anything but natural. She claimed that Zona's ghost informed her that not only did she not die peacefully, she fell victim to the violence of her own husband. Knew it. Right? She also confessed to her mother that her husband had always been a cruel, abusive bastard in the past. So not only is it, oh, he killed me. Like, no, he's been beating on my ass for a while now. And he killed me. Here's how he killed me. Here's what you need to check out. Check out my neck. Here's all this stuff going on. And there she goes. I knew it. Mm Mm-hmm. Called it. After these visits, the determined mother took her concerns to the prosecutor, and they decided that they had enough information to initiate an investigation. Upon the investigation, the truth came out that Edward had some skeletons in the closet. No pun intended. Dig that bitch up. His previous two wives had also died under mysterious circumstances. One supposedly died supposedly supposedly died by falling from a haystack breaking her neck while he was present pushed her mm-hmm. or snapped her neck and blamed it on the haystack his second wife died while assisting him with some chimney repairs or he accidentally dropped a large rock on her head from up the chimney what the fuck convenient i think not like, oopsies, like, oh, I see your head. Thank you for helping me, honey, with these things. Whoop, there it goes. 
Oh my gosh. Hey, can you like shout up the chimney at me real quick? I just need to tell you something like and just sticks your head in the chimney. Yeah, real far, real far. And then just like, (laughs) real far in the back, a little further, a little further. Right there is good. Do you see anything weird? Like an acme anvil. Is there a white light in there? Do you see anything? Go to the light. (laughs) This bitch. I know. know. Women get a bad rap for being a black widow. Like, it's always a woman that's a black widow. It is. This it's, bitch is a black widow. It's never the man. He was also reportedly seen acting strangely after his late wife's death. Dr. Knapp from the autopsy, you know, if you remember previously, that he just kind of walked in and said, oh, it's everlasting faint. And I don't know why he had that accent, but he did. <laughs> and he didn't question it. He just took the man's word for it. He actually was brought in for questioning and admitted that he could have been mistaken for his initial cause of death. May hmm. have been? You mean the glance? Of, like, he was, like, in 2020 when nobody wanted to touch each other, and he was, like, standing 60 feet back and was like, yeah, looks okay to me. Oh, the second autopsy told a drastically different story than the initial one. It was found that her neck has been had been broken, her windpipe was crushed, her neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae and that it had torn and ruptured the surrounding ligaments. I would say that was a minor mistake on his behalf. Is it just me or is this man getting more and more violent as it goes along? It is. Those involved in the investigation decided to exhume the body, obviously, because they did the second autopsy. And the entire time they're exhuming, Edward's over there just whining like a bitch. That he doesn't need his wife's, you know, body messed with. She needs to stay in the ground. Don't desecrate the grave. Yada, yada, yada. This whole time. And his argument after the second autopsy, he was arrested. And his argument was, but they will never be able to prove that I did it. Hmm. Guilty? A little bit. A little bit? I mean, you're even saying, like, you're not denying it. You're not saying you didn't do it. You're just saying you can't prove it. This dude's like stepped on her and wiped his muddy boots off. Although I did see a movie a couple days ago with my husband and the cop, it was a bad cop, I wish I could remember the name of the movie, or I think it's, I don't know how to describe it, but anyway, the actor says, it's not about what you know, it's about what you can prove. True, true words. Anyway, so he was arrested and tried for murder. Surprise, surprise, a guilty verdict followed a little after about an hour of deliberation on June 22nd, 1897. He was given life in prison and sent to the state penitentiary. <laughs> this waste of resources died on March 1st, 1900. Waste of resources. <laughs> a conviction never would have happened had it not been for this beast of a woman to reach out from beyond the grave and insist someone take another look at her case and provided the mother with the true cause of death. So that's the end of my story. I mean, this this woman gets brutally murdered. And she by doesn't just her husband. By her husband. But like two other women before her. But instead of just laying down taking it and this guy just getting out scot free, which he would have, he would have never been arrested had she not pestered and, and thank goodness that the people in the town Listen to her mother instead of being like, oh, there's that quack saying that she got visited by her daughter's ghost. Like, ooh. She's crazy. Put her in the asylum. Yeah, she's crazy. Yeah, you could go into the asylum for everything and be like, "Mm, institutionalize her. But no, they actually took took it into consideration, re-dug up the body, 
redid the autopsy. They did all the stuff. They did what they needed to do. And that fucker got what he deserved. I'm sorry, but I feel like if you have a man whose wife is dead, whose two previous wives are also dead, you need to look into it a little harder than like, a, eh, it looks okay to me. Especially if the other two wives were mysteriously ended. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't just like, like a legitimate accident, like a car accident. Or, well, I guess they didn't have cars back then. But... I don't know, horse carriage accident. Horse and we buggy had a runaway accident. horse and buggy. Ooh, look out. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but come on, everlasting faint. Like, that is, that is like the kicker there. Like, this, how did this guy even get the job? I need the definition of everlasting faint. Like, how do you get to that point? Oh, please hold. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. Well, I tried to look it up, and really all I found is that apparently there's a song. And just the word fainting. So I guess he just slapped whatever word he felt like calling it and made up his own thing. Lovely. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Inner Bitchin'. Today's topic is odd ice cream flavors. Number one. Cicada. Number two. Pizza. Number three. Cold sweat and contains three kinds of peppers and two kinds of hot sauce. Number four. Kraft macaroni. And number five. Thanksgiving dinner. Now back to the show. <laughs> Welcome back. So, Kristen, what you got for me today? Okay, so this one, it makes me mad, but I think it's also going to be like a lot of questions from you. So I have the disappearance of Marina Bolter from Bloomfield, Indiana, which is only about 45 minutes away from us. It's where I went to high school at, and this happened while I was in high school. That sounds like it's going to be, I mean, A, close to home, and I'm sure I'm going to have plenty of questions. Yeah, so there's a few twists and turns in it, and it's a little crazy, and it's still unsolved, which is insane. Ah, Great. I'm sorry, I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger here. (laughs) It's okay, we'll make it through it. But Okay, so let's get into this. On December 31st, 2014, New Year's Eve, Marina Bolter disappeared. She was getting off of work at the Bloomfield IGA, and she was never seen again. Marina had a little boy earlier in the year, and that was with her on-again, off-again boyfriend, and his name was DJ. So at this point, in time they were in their off again status Mm. marina is exiting the iga and she's on her phone with a man named toby so toby is a married man Mm. that marina has been having an affair with okay and toby has been a friend of marina's family since before she was born according to an interview with her mother he was there while she was pregnant with marina well, that's interesting. Yeah. I'd say a little bit of an age gap, but considering there's 23 years between me and Clark, I can't say much. Now, due to some circumstances related to the child care that Marina had for her son at the time, CPS took away her child. And she was trying to get her own place and get on her own feet so that she could get her little boy back. Toby was a big part of this. He helped. Marina get her own apartment in town, which is where she was headed whenever she got off work that night. 
she was getting ready to go to a New Year's Eve party at Toby's house whenever she got off work. Mm -hmm. So when leaving the IGA, while on the phone with Toby, Marina's last known words are, oh shit, it's DJ. Well, that's not suspicious. So her ex-DJ showed up and tried to get her to go to a different New Year's Eve party, but with him. He was with a few of his buddies, and he wanted to go with him instead of to the one that she had already planned on going with. So there was one other car in the parking lot that night, and it was a customer of the IGA that had grown kind of close to Marina just from being in there and, and talking with her and stuff like that. He had agreed to give Marina a ride home. Marina's apartment was near a pizza place that had gone out of business, and when she accepted the ride from the customer, she asked him to drop her off there so that he wouldn't know where her apartment was. She was very cautious of that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a smart move. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I would do. After the customer dropped her off is when all of the unknowns come in. When she didn't show up for work the next day her manager called the police and they went to her apartment and it was unlocked but her keys her cell phone and her purse were not there were not there no neither were her work clothes like she had not gone home and changed like it was as if she had not even gotten back to her apartment and she had no car no so she couldn't have just been like so they can't really say, well, she just packed up her shit and left. No, because everything else was still there, except a few years later, Marina's mom realized. So Marina was really big into journaling. Mm-hmm. And according to an interview, about two years after Marina disappeared, her mom realized that in all of the stuff that had taken that they had taken out of her apartment, her journals were gone. Well, that's a weird thing to have gone. Yeah. And it's just something that like Marina would do is like a relief kind of thing. So with her work clothes still missing, her mom said that she would have gone to change before the party. Like, she wouldn't have just, like, gone to the party in her work clothes. Like, there's no chance? I mean, if I was lazy and I was running late to a party, and that doesn't make any sense if the guy dropped her off by the pizza place. Yeah, like, the whole point was Because then him. why the hell would, how would you get to the party? So the whole, like, she had somebody else coming to pick her up to take her to the party. But I'm saying, like, if, if, like, if it was me and I was like, ugh, fuck oh, it, wait. I'll just, if I'll just wear these. So she didn't have somebody coming to pick her up for the party. The party was actually just a couple blocks down the road. Okay, so it could have been if I was like, eh, I don't feel like changing my clothes. I don't want to dick with it. Yeah. I'm just going to go to the party like this, and I'm just going to rock the sexy uniform. She could have. She worked in the deli, so she was probably really like, you know, she's been dealing with chicken and lunch meat and everything all day, so definitely like a go home and shower and go to a party kind of thing. But she might smell like bacon, so the guys would love her. But Toby's house was, like, just down the road from hers, so she would have just walked there. That's convenient placement. Yeah. I wonder if that was intentional. That's pretty much all we know. So here's some weird little side notes, okay? hmm There was a murderer living in her apartment building. What kind of murderer? He murdered 19-year-old girls. How old was she? 19. She was right in that age. Like, she was still, Did like, he have a type? I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, like, if it was, like, I lived in an apartment, and 
there was a guy two doors down, say Dahmer. Like Dahmer lives two doors down. Well, I obviously ain't got shit to worry about because I got a VJ. So, so here, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he actually, her neighbor was murderer and registered sex offender Vernon Gale Brenner, and he murdered a 19 year old girl in the 1970s. And something to note about her apartment building, and I'm putting air quotes around apartment yes, building, is. is because a lot of the apartments in Bloomfield are above like businesses. businesses. Mm-hmm. So there were only four apartments in her quote unquote apartment building. Uh, and her so and everybody knew everybody. Here's the thing. Probably. Her and him were the only two occupied apartments. Okay, that's pretty sus. Did they check the guy's apartment? Yeah, they checked him out. But he was clear? I didn't find anything saying that he had been officially cleared. But he wasn't arrested either. Also, because, I mean, they don't have a body. They have no idea what happened to her. But I'm saying, there, if you've been wallering around in a friggin' butcher shop or deli or whatever, and you got these, like, work, there's got to be some. there's got to be something left behind if you went somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, they haven't found anything. I mean, especially this. Well, I mean, maybe because he got caught once, he was more careful the second time. Maybe I was just thinking, if you're dumb enough to get caught once, you're probably gonna get caught again. Yeah. But then again, the sugar daddy. What, yes. Toby. Toby. What's his name? Toby. Toby. Because I mean, if he was on the phone, he already knew where she was supposed to be. Then homeboy rolls up, baby daddy. But. At what point did he roll up? Did he roll up while she was waiting for a ride from the customer? So she walked out of the IGA and the customer was already waiting on her. And uh-huh. he rolled up as she was walking out, knowing that that's when she got okay. off work. So but that kind of gets that, that puts baby daddy on the cooling shelf because she then got in the car with the customer and got a ride home. So like he's clear. And DJ has witnesses and alibis to where he was that night. OK, so he's clear because he was with friends and he went to a different party. So, really, we're looking at Toby or Toby creepy was, apartment guy. Toby was also already at his or party. Or Toby's wife. Where was she at? The party. Do we have witnesses to say that somebody had eyes on her the whole time? Because guess what? If someone's getting hanky-panky from my husband, they're probably going to end up six foot under. So, she didn't know until Marina's mom told her. Way to go, mom. <laughs> so, I have one more little snippet of information that I think that you would think is a little interesting. DJ Marina's on again, off again boyfriend was Mm -hmm. stabbed to death just six weeks later. It was ruled as a self-defense. Again, did they look at Toby? No, they know. Sugar daddy? So they know who stabbed DJ and it was ruled as self-defense because according to witnesses, DJ was upset about Marina and another girl that he had been seeing. And they had supposedly also seen this other guy and he came in like gun, like full bore, like pissed off and he was attacking the man. Okay. Well then that doesn't really work out either. And he stabbed him twice. So that's just irony is all that is. It is. It's just a very weird Hmm. thing. Yeah. But there have been polygraphs given and stuff like that. They don't, I mean, never seems- trust a polygraph. They're not admissible in court. And a lot of times they're wrong. For instance, I can't take one. I think my medicines would make it to where I like physically 
cannot take a polygraph. I think. And I understand that 100%. So that is exactly why they haven't necessarily fully cleared Mm. anybody. I'm just thinking there's got to be a trace of her somewhere. Wherever she went, there's got to be a hair, skin, something. I mean, unless you throw her over your shoulder like a continental soldier and like march her down the street and drop her in a hole, like you got to get the body somewhere. Exactly. I honestly don't think that this will be solved until she is found. Oh, yeah. And they potentially get DNA off of her. I I have some things on that just because I'm thinking if she's messing around with this married dude, they find her body. What are the odds that like they were messing around? And I mean, you be. know, you know what I mean? Like they might find his DNA, it her, you know, and I mean, hundred percent. Like I, like I understand where you're coming from. But if from. they found the other guy's DNA there, then you know that'd be a whole different story. Yeah, I I honestly don't think that this case will be solved until they have found her. And not to like speculate or anything, but there was an article released a few weeks ago saying that there were remains found in Bloomfield, but they have not yet confirmed who they were or mm. where they were. Um, so oh my gosh, can you imagine if those were her? That's what I've been thinking this whole time. I mean, they don't know. They didn't give any information. They didn't even say if it was male, female, nothing. No. Well, All they said were remains. I mean, I wish they'd hurry it up, though. You know, it'd be nice to have some closure for, I mean, somebody's going to need closure. It's it's somebody's someone. Yeah. And I know, like, Marina's mom is very involved in trying to find Marina. And whenever the searches were going on, Marina's dad's side of the family got involved, too. Something that really kind of piques my interest is Toby stopped talking to Marina's mom and would only associate with. Marina's dad's side of the family, which is the one that he was not as close to. I guess it depends. So was her mom's side of the family pointing a finger at him? Because I'd understand that. Like, if you're pointing a finger at me, I don't want to fucking talk to your ass anyway. No, I don't. I don't know. Hmm. But there are too many questions. There are a lot of questions involving this case. And I honestly wish it had more presence in the true crime podcast scene. I wish more people would get her story out there. Yeah. It really needs it. And I mean, so whenever I say that I lived in Bloomfield at the time that this happened, not only did I live in Bloomfield at the time that this happened, I had a class my freshman year of high school with Marina. That's just insane. Like I can't even imagine. And there's like nothing. That's what gets me. It's like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's no information. And I mean, we have a few other cases around here that are the same way like there's just there's there's nothing to go off of there's just a, a little bit of information and then it just falls off the face of the earth and it's literally like she went poof yeah and was gone like it's insane i just hope for closure for the family and that we can get this solved soon because i mean it's been nine years yeah that, that's a long time Well, and sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes people take like 20, 30 years. I know. But I mean, I'm with you. If they don't find her or some part of her to identify her, I don't think they're going to have much to go off of. If I mean, unless there's something that they missed as far as, you know, vetting people out. 
Yeah, most definitely. I just, like I said, this case has always been on my mind. The flyers are still all around Greene County, and they just want to bring Marina home. And her, her mom aches for her. They were best friends. And this is a horrible thing to say. They talked every day. But, like, if you would assume if she was still alive and well, like, she even would, if she just disappeared or, or she just, moved. say, on her own, she made a decision to fall off the face of the earth, she would probably at some point broke down and sent somebody something. I mean, it's really hard to walk away from someone after you talk to them and you care about them and all of that. And just to walk away is so difficult. I find it hard to believe that if she was not, like if she was okay, that she wouldn't have said something already. Well, and I think you're forgetting that she had that little boy. So she still had visitations with him and she would never have missed a visitation. She loved being a mom and it was not her fault that he was taken away yeah and so she was trying so hard to get him back yeah and and especially like trying so hard you wouldn't just bail exactly and disappear yeah so now that little boy is has his mom missing and his father was murdered well i guess you can't really call him murdered but his father was killed the poor baby and so now he's just kind of there i wish they could see my bottom lip sticking out because that's sad Yeah, this case has, like I said, really just been on my mind for so long. And I'm glad that I get to help bring it out into the world a little bit more. I mean, I know there's a few other podcasts. So the Unfound podcast, I got some of my information from there. They did an episode of them over her. And I cannot remember for the life of me the name of it. But there was a podcast or a youtube channel that put out they were kind of like a paranormal and they kind of went on a paranormal hunt trying to find answers from marina herself well on that bummer of a story i'm so sorry (laughs) maybe i should go first (laughs) i think maybe you should because then maybe i can line it up a little bit um that being said we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up feel free reach out us we have instagram we got twitter we got a facebook group it's all the red rum podcasters uh you can't miss us we're a black square with two little red r's in it okay big r's and we have an email the red rum podcasters at gmail.com we do have a patreon that we have that we just got started up and we plan on working on it so feel free to run over there check it out is patreon.com slash the red rum podcasters And we do have two different tiers that we have on there. We've got a $1 tier. Uh, Anybody who signs up for that, we're going to go ahead and give you a shout out on here. I'm going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time. Odds are we're probably going to mispronounce some names since I clearly can't speak or pronounce anything. And I'm not sure what kind of stuff you guys got going on. But if we do read them out and we mess it up, feel free to reach out to us and make corrections, and we'll try to correct that the best that we can. Uh, We also have a $5 tier that we're going to have a bonus episode that you can have, and you get the shout-out that you have uh, the same you would with a dollar. Is there anything that I'm missing as far as all of our goodies that we got going on? I think you got it, because I think I was just going to make sure that we mentioned the Patreon. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, I guess uh, until next week, uh, take care of yourselves and... Stay strange. strange.